Hello and welcome to the Scottish Roadscast, a podcast about Scotland's roads, bridges and motorways, brought to you by the Scottish Roads Archive. I'm Duncan McKnight. And I'm John Hassel. And I'm Stuart Baird. Uh, gentlemen, wonderful to see you. In this episode, we're going to talk about a junction that hasn't actually had a lot of love from us mm. uh, recently mm. or for a long time, but given it's just turned 30, yes. I thought it might be a good time to bring it up and do a bit of discussion on it. So, where are we going? We are going to St. James Interchange yes, on the M8. Are. That's the big one down next to Glasgow Airport. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge junction down there. Uh, added 1993. Lots of good things to tell. Okay, we've missed the anniversary a wee bit. That was a couple of months ago, but we, you might remember from our social media that we had a wee bit of coverage at, yep. at the time and we've got a new web page on it. So we thought, why not just have a wee discussion on it? Why we do. Not? And we've got tons of information about it as yeah. well, but we tend to bundle it in with the Renfrew Bypass. Exactly. Because yeah. that's where it sits. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm. yeah. So it, it is an interesting project. It's interesting for a number of reasons. The structures themselves are not actually particularly interesting, but the way it came about, the way it was built, the way it was, you know, basically the contract surrounding it, that was all very interesting. And if we're honest, for that part of the M8, it actually stands out a bit like a sore thumb because you don't get the big flyovers down that end like you no, get you don't. in the city centre and further out towards mm-hmm. Bayliston. So, you know, yeah. it's it's a different kind of feature, yeah. you know, as you come round the bend after the, yeah. the White Cart Viaduct. So, I'll just get straight into it, shall I? Yep, you are, you are the expert. Oh, I, I don't know about that. And you actually wrote a page I, for I us did. many I years ago. I, I was hoping you wouldn't say that. I was yeah. trying to avoid any work. But uh, no, that's right. <laughs> I did a, quite a lot of research back on this in the day when we didn't have anything. So, um, and, that, and now we have loads that uh, we got from, from Scott Wilson. Yeah, so conscious that we have many listeners now from across Scotland, not just, you know, from the Glasgow area. So we should maybe give just a wee bit of a description of, 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 the, of where it sits. Where it sits, right. Yeah. So we have the M8 motorway. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was completed in March 1968 as the Renfrew Bypass, John, as you mentioned earlier. That's a section of M8 that runs between Hillington at Junction 26 and Bishopton at Junction 29A. Now, Junction 29 at St. James, that was originally a roundabout junction with the roundabout sitting above the height of the motorway. Yeah. And for the first 20-odd years or so, it operated fine as it was. Mm-hmm. However, with developments going on around about Linwood and other parts of the, you know, the, the area, particularly the expansion of Glasgow Airport as it started to handle more international traffic, mm-hmm. um, there was much more pressure being put in St James generally. And when considered with the... Strathclyde Regional Council proposals to dual or build a, a bypass of Linwood um, and Howwood, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as what we now know as the E737, that was going to bring all this airshirt-bound traffic. There was also the junction yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, and you, you mentioned about growth and traffic. There was also a lot of industrial development. At yeah. Linwood, there was a car plant as well. Yeah, yeah. so there, there was a lot of developments going on. There was a lot of stuff happening there. And as I say, with this, this proposed dual carriageway, which, by the way, had been proposed all the way back in the Highway Plan for Glasgow back in 1965. And some of you might remember from the Highway Plan podcast that originally the, the motorway was going to continue as the Linwood Bypass. Yes, you know, the, the section off to Erskine Bridge and out towards Greenock, that was, gonna all, be all purpose. was going to be all purpose. Yeah. But there was a change made and it was decided that the E737, mm-hmm. or the E740 as it was at that point, That's right, uh, yeah. was going to be the, going to be the motorway. Yeah, it's so, interesting. You, you drive along it and you go over the White Cart Viaduct and it's all quite normal and then it suddenly yeah. swings over to the exactly. north to think, oh, well, we're going the, going the right way. Exactly. So yeah. You're absolutely right. And in those original reports of 1965 and in the Greater Glasgow Transportation Study, they actually stated that there would be a need for free flow you know, connections mm-hmm. between this dual carriageway yeah. or motorway and the M8 at some point down the line. Mm-hmm. So when you look at some of the old schematics, they're always on there. Yeah. However, 
by the late 1980s, it was clear that the, the roundabout, as it stood, just couldn't handle it. They'd added signals earlier yeah. that decade. It still yeah. wasn't. I mean, you look at well. you look. I've seen old maps before they were put in, and it looks like it was doing a lot of work for what it was. Because <laughs> well, there was a lot going Paisley, into it. Yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. airport mm-hmm. and also the A740. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. During peak times. Apparently, it wasn't uncommon for traffic to actually back up onto the motorway, Ooh. onto the westbound carriageway, so that was creating safety issues as well. Mm. And the Scottish office in Strathclyde region were like, yeah, you know, we really should be trying to do mm. something about this to, to improve the situation there. Um, even today, I mean, it's a very busy junction. It's probably the busiest, probably the most important junction west of Glasgow on the M8, would you agree? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would. Yeah, Dillington's busy as well, but yes. Yeah, so what Strathclyde Region did was, so they were appointed by Scottish Office to, to look into the, the imp- potential improvements to the junction, and they conducted a study. They went back to some of the original proposals for the junction, which we just mentioned in some of those earlier reports. And eventually they decided, you know what, the easiest thing is to build two free-flow connections from the new dual carriageway across the existing roundabout onto and from the M8 motorway. Mm. The existing roundabout junction would remain as it was to serve the local functions of the A726 coming out of Paisley and heading up towards Inchinen and Mm. also the access to Glasgow Airport as well because they were looking to make a few changes there again as the airport expanded and made some changes Mm. of its own. So it was uh, approved as as a proposal in 1989 at which time it was decided to promote the scheme as a fixed price design and build competition. Now, mm. at the time, that was quite a new concept. Novel. Yeah. yeah. So we spoke last year about the, the Keswick Bridge having a, yeah. a sort of design and build element for a particular quite, structure. Quite an early example yeah. of design and build. This was the first time that it had been promoted as a, as a fixed price a design right. and build competition for this type of development. Mm-hmm. So, and not just in Scotland, but also in, in the UK. You yeah. know, that, that's, how, that's how new it was. And it was expected that the project was going to cost somewhere between 30 and 40 million pounds as well. So, mm-hmm. a fairly high value yeah. at that time as well. So, 13 firms expressed interest, six of which were then interviewed in the December of 1989. So, they brought mm-hmm. them all in and said, okay, what would you build? What would you build? How would you do it? How quickly? What would it cost? Mm-hmm. And they went through this process until they eventually whittled it down to three consortia. Okay, so they had, they had three parties. Now, because this des- design and build, you didn't just have your contractor, you also had your designer associated mm-hmm. with that as well. So it's not like these old-fashioned schemes where we will say, oh, well, the designer was Strathclyde this. Regional Council and then so-so came yeah. and built it. Although Strathclyde had pulled together what we would call a specimen design and say, well, there should be a fly over here and a fly mm-hmm. there. Like an outline. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The detailed design was very much left to the party that was bidding for the work. So they, they had these three consortia brought in. And they issued contract documents to them in the May of 1990. Uh, they were told their tenders had to be returned by January of 1991. So they all went away, they all worked up the proposals mm-hmm. and eventually submitted their, their final tenders. And in April 1991, uh, the Scottish office uh, announced that Balfour Beatty, with their designer Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick, were going to be awarded the contract to, to design and build these two viaducts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, now, that's the story so far. Yeah. yeah. It was never going to be easy to build these things because, well, let's think about this. You had a live motorway yes, uh, with several thousand vehicles in both mm-hmm, directions mm-hmm. every day. You had the, the two local roads local coming local in. Roads, yeah. You had the main Paisley to Greenock the Railway. railway below yeah. It, yeah. And you also had an airport. So you can't just <laughs> throw up cranes and things like that at the end of an airport runway without any you know, any consideration for the impact you know, on, on, have. on, yeah. on yeah. air traffic. So all of these things actually meant that it was quite a complex project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just a case of just building a new bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of considerations. Yeah. And 
crucially, they knew from some of the boreholes and geotechnical investigations that they'd done that ground conditions in some areas were actually quite poor. Right. Um, and interestingly, that actually led to a clause within the contract that was awarded to Balfour Beatty that they had to provide a 20-year warranty on certain parts of the groundworks. Was it so really? that if there was a problem, mm-hmm. they would then come back in later and rectify it. Right. Now, jumping ahead a bit, there, there was never any major issues. However, there have been there has been some settlement, and anybody yeah. who's a regular user of the viaducts will know that there's a bit of a bump is there? when you when you come off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're heading eastbound, um, yeah. you you mm-hmm. do feel it when you you go mm-hmm. on to the start of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so pretty interesting. There's so a lot of things you know for them to consider. Um, okay, so April '91 contract awarded. What do we do next? Well. They have to start designing. Uh, there's yes. no point in doing any work at this point, so they, they have to get into the intensive design phase. Scott Wilson obviously had been involved in a number of you know structures in the Glasgow area across mm-hmm. the UK, synonymous yep. with the M8, particularly in Glasgow at this point. So they were well known, and then throughout the 1990s, they did have this close partnership with Balfour yeah, Beatty because it is something that does pop up. The Scott Wilson Balfour mm-hmm. Beatty couple yep. of other things. A very good relationship developed between the two, and uh, you know they, they built a number of projects mm-hmm. uh, together across Scotland at that time. A upgrade. Mm-hmm. Did they yep. do seen no Claylands? Is it at the Claylands? Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, Scott Wilson did structures at Clarence. So, you know, there, there were a few tie-ins. Yeah. Uh, Goger. Goger roundabout, yeah, yep, yeah. That's another famous one. So, yeah, you know, they were they were, they were were into a routine by this stage. Anyway, as the design work progressed, they, they, they more or less agreed with what Strathclyde Regional Council has env- had envisaged, and that was going to be two multi-span viaducts, one for westbound traffic and the other for eastbound traffic. Uh, the need to keep costs low, because when you're in a fixed price and you've said, we're going to build this for... 35 million mm-hmm. you know you then can't go back to the client after a year and go well actually we need a bit more mm-hmm. you know you've committed to doing it for that price you build it for that price so yeah. they had to be very clear that, that everything was all you know okay yeah. and, and you just, just about to ask what fixed cost is that basically you can't go oh can we get a bit more can we get a exactly. bit more it's, the, the yeah. only way that can be different is something built in for, for like inflation or rising yeah. costs mm-hmm. I mean a lot of construction projects lately have, have had this problem yes. where, where increases in costs have meant that that exact scenario Stuart has happened yeah. that's right and I mean sometimes even things like concrete rates and things like that but it's maybe difficult to predict the sort of quantities of things you may have elements within the contract that allows for that mm-hmm. not here fixed price build it for what that's going to be simple yeah. all right what could go wrong yeah, absolutely yeah <laughs> uh, so the, the need to keep costs low meant that certain types of construction were, were, were ruled out so certain materials were ruled out that's specifically related to like post-tensioned or pre-stressed concrete structures mm-hmm. which are quite common um, it's very kind of 60s or 70s yeah, type thing yeah, yeah. pre-stressing was, was it's, it's quite a common thing even today for, for concrete beams and things like that but that, that was eliminated uh, on, on cost grounds then they switched to steel work uh, and they considered that mm. was the obvious choice, particularly with the sort of span lengths that they were talking about. Although they did discount the, the use of a box girder solution like right. a white cat viaduct, for mm-hmm. example. Um, yeah, yeah, because the fabrication costs were expected to be high. It wasn't like in the 60s where you had multiple fabrication yards within you know a couple of miles. By the stage of the 1990s, they knew they were going to have to ship this material ship in from elsewhere yeah. in the UK. So it was like, no, let's not go with that. So ultimately they decided, you know what? Keep it simple. Let's go with a nice composite structure. So that was mm-hmm. basically steel plate girders uh, and reinforced concrete decks mm-hmm. for each of these viaducts. Yeah. I was just about to ask, was there any other any other ideas, but it was probably the best solution. It was yeah. always about functionality here mm-hmm. over the aesthetic. Although uh, the, the, the Fine Arts Commission for Scotland that, that existed at that point, they did have to approve the ultimate look of it. Yep. And they felt that it, it wasn't a 
you know, too ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was functional. It had a reasonable degree of aesthetic. Yeah. Personally, I think they're okay to look at. Mm-hmm. I think it's how they sit in the ground more than mm-hmm. anything. They don't seem to rise. They are quite high in areas, but, but they're, they're not, not super they don't tower high. Up. They don't tower. No. They're not like what I've seen in Texas, for example. You <laughs> see huge ramps that go up into the sky. Yeah. But it's quite funny. You, 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 but this is choice of, of using the composite steel mm-hmm. you're almost sounding a bit like dave pritchard now because it's good because you can see any issues you see everything. or problems mm-hmm. that might come out of these kind of things which is what, what dave spoke about on the on our connell podcast yeah, absolutely yeah. so it sounds like they made the right the right decision yeah. Okay. yeah i would say so i would certainly say so so that that need for it to be reasonably aesthetically pleasing actually led to the choice of these 50 meter span lengths right so mm-hmm. th- these are large spans mm-hmm. you know between concrete supports you know th- this is not just a small bridge, you know, this thing's huge. It's very long. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that also ensured that they could avoid particular obstacles. So like that busy live railway line we mentioned, the AMA, the local road network, these things could be crossed with ease. ease. No mm-hmm. need to move any services. Mm-hmm. Nice no. and easy. Exactly. So the eastbound viaduct was designed to be an overall length of 790 metres across 16 spans. Right. And the westbound viaduct is 740 metres with 15 spans. That's, as you would expect. that's close to White Cart Viaduct yeah. lengths and fry and long yes. things. Yes. They're major structures, yeah. Mm-hmm. They are big, big, big viaducts in a Scottish uh, sort of context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some facts and figures here then for you. So each viaduct is 12 metres wide. Okay. Right. The carriageways themselves, they're 10 metres wide. Okay. Well, they're quite wide. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The plate girders that support the decks are a constant 2.1 metres deep with spacings of around 3 metres between them. So right. again, quite quite big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Each viaduct is curved in plan, and has a gradient of up to four percent. Right. Okay. So there is a bit of an incline. There is a incline, yeah, yeah, going up it. Uh, and they have a maximum height above the ground of fifteen meters right. as well. So that's they do get high at one mm-hmm. point. High, but not super high. No. Yeah. No. So fairly fairly straightforward. Uh, they proposed that all steelwork be painted in a nice graphite color. Uh, which, as I mentioned, was approved by the Royal Fine Art Commission for Scotland. Mm. Uh, I, the feeling behind the grey is, I mean, we have a predominantly grey sky, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> I, 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 and, you know, it, it blends in. I was going to say, grey is um, very in now yeah. for interior mm-hmm. design as well, so maybe yeah. they, they had a bit of a foreknowledge yeah. on something like that. What, which, Stuart, would you have had it in the blue? No, no, I, w- I wouldn't have had that in blue. Because you too, love Strathclyde blue. Yeah, there's just... Too much steel work, I think, for that one, for the blue to have mm-hmm. not just looked a wee bit out of place. I think the grey was a good choice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I would enough. say so. Mm. Uh, another interesting feature, I don't know if you've noticed, but there are high containment uh, parapet railings on both sides mm-hmm. of the oh, viaducts, yes. and both of them are pretty high. So, yep. so you've got the railway, you've got a bit of height. Uh, you know, so they, they that makes like sense. Sometimes with these things, you only see them where it crosses the railway component, but uh, no, it's it's yeah. uh, it's pretty consistent. And another thing about it, it's lit. It's lit. Yes, yes now lights. there was one of the reasons why we, we high mass lights would be in more normal setting around an interchange like this absolutely perfect mm-hmm. airport navigational lights and stuff mm-hmm. so they, they decided to go with columns for this reason yeah. so it's got steel columns along it exactly yeah and of course there had been original columns on the on the Renfrew bypass yeah. as well mm-hmm. uh, and, and much of them were upgraded around the same time because we should mention that that there was some opportunity taken to, to upgrade the junction at Glasgow Airport and the access roads to the airport and also some other changes around about some as well what they'd done there was they, they came up with a, a braiding system so it braided between the what was, ju- was junction 28 uh, for the airport uh, to connect actually to junction 29 without really having to touch the motorway so you've got these mm-hmm. outer carriageways now they're not trunk 
No. They are yeah. under local authority, and they were built as part of this contract. Yeah. So Junction 28 for the airport did change slightly. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are heading eastbound, you know there's an old slip road. Uh, uh, yeah, I've seen that on the, yep. the satellite. Yeah, yep. this old dead bit of slip road. Yeah, so that is still there because that was <laughs> a part of the original layout. Yeah, so some changes there as well. So yeah, you now access Glasgow Airport from the from the west via Junction 29. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. not rather than Junction Twenty. You know, I can't remember the name of it. It's got a name. It's called something Parkway, and it has it on a little sign there. I can't remember. <laughs> it's, it's not Airport Parkway, is it? Or oh, I don't know. I'd have Someone to go and have a little Someone look. Someone will know. Someone will know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so design's all complete. We're already. We know what we're building. We know what we want. That's mm-hmm. all good. Uh, crucially, no hard shoulders included. We no, do have no, one meter hard strips, yeah. but no hard shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I scoured through all the documentation we have on that to see if there was a reason. You know, if they, you know, deliberately outlined it. I imagine that it was considered to be a continuation of the dual carriageway, of the dual carriageway. rather than yeah. the motorway, which is why we don't have the, the mm-hmm. hard shoulders in. I guess that probably saved a bit, a bit mm. of money as well. Even, even though they're kind of motorway reg, but I know yeah. to keep it consistent. And, you know, we should we should be in mind that this was a big time um, for that part of the world, as, you know, as far as new roads were concerned. Because oh, yeah. we had the link from St. James to Linwood, that opened in 1968, just roughly mm-hmm. the same time as the Renfrew Bypass. Just called the Linclive Spur. The Linclive Spur. Yeah, we had that for ages. Yeah, and they anticipated that the next section of dual carriageway, all the way down to Eldersley and beyond, would come very quickly after. Mm-hmm. But as is often the case here, that didn't happen. It was only once we get into the 80s that Strathclyde Region started really pushing on that. Mm-hmm. So we did get the proposals for the Howwood uh, Johnson Linwood Bypass, and they came along and they were going to get built as, as dual carriageway. So, you know. There's a lot going on in Renfrewshire at that yeah. time for roads, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it must have been. I, I often think how much of an improvement that must have been when that whole link opened from St James all the way down, say to that was the, was the roundabout the far end at, at Eldersley. Uh, that is Howwood, isn't it? At that Howwood end. Oh, how, Howard, Howard doesn't actually have a roundabout. Mm-hmm. It's like a. Is it a dumbbell? No, no. Howard itself is at the end of the single carriageway yeah. section yeah. Oh, yeah. Of, of it, and it's just a kind of a. Um, it's a T junction. It's a T junction, yeah. really. But there is, it's it's further back at Kilbarkin, you've so got that you, dumbbell. Mm-hmm. So when you think about before this was opened, you had to go all the way through Eldersley and Paisley to get you know get to the motor. And it's funny, you can see where mm-hmm. the old A737 is immediately after Howard. It mm-hmm. goes back to the quarter, and you go to that notorious section that they call Risk Bray, which is a very much <laughs> up and down section. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it's called Risk Bray, but it's is but mm-hmm. uh, that's with the yeah with the double whites okay. there so no you're right um could could we talk for a little bit about the 737 we haven't maybe if you wish you maybe yeah. you told me something about this Stuart and uh what why wasn't the the rest of it jeweled mm. as part of this and it was yeah because yeah, it's, it's jeweled as far as is it Johnston or is it it's um Kilbarkin, Kilbarkin which is just yeah. after Johnston and <laughs> beyond that it's single carriage yeah. there is a reason for this yeah so the, the original proposal was the dual carriage we would continue from Kilbarkin all the way to the end at the existing A737 at, I can never remember the Howard. name. Is it Howwood, right? Yeah, Fire, Howard, right? Yep. So the plan was dual all the way to there and then the existing road would, would continue towards co-winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So Strathclyde Regional Council said, well, you know what? We think that we should build the last section, a single carriageway. All right. And what we'll do is we'll take the money that we've saved and we'll invest it in local bus services. And what we'll do is we'll run a bus feeder service for those towns to the local train stations now we have to bear in mind as well there had been significant upgrades to the railway line. railway lines railway. in that part yeah. of the world oh, as well yeah. and mm-hmm. there had been park and ride facilities and various other bits built as well so rather than build another section of carriage where they said well you know let's try and encourage people to use these new rail services we've just mm-hmm. invested millions of pounds in mm. 
Um, so yeah, they, yeah. they run this feeder bus service. Or the theory was they would run mm. these feeder bus services and it would all work hand in hand. Yes. However, unfortunately, 1986 comes along and bus deregulation comes in. Oh, yeah. Mm. And the, a bear of Stuarts. And the council mm. are then no longer allowed to run bus services that they wish it for their times, for their fares, whatever else. Mm. Had to be run as a private company. So right. that benefit there didn't last very long, right. sadly. Mm. Uh, and the project was much further along by that point and they, and they stuck with the, the single carriageway, you mm-hmm. know, to the end, to the Howwood end. So, yeah, I, you know, I can never remember who told me that story, but someone years ago when we sat down with him, was, was, it, was it Andy Davis? Could have been. Might well have been. Mm-hmm. I think it was because it was around about the time he was in there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So just it, it, it mm. just goes to show when we had the regions and we had all this joined up thinking and everybody was trying to do, you know, they could talk to the public transport people and they yeah. could talk to the roads people and they could talk to the policy people and you now know it's now it's quite different it's all fragmented now. Yes. much more difficult mm-hmm. to, to do these things so yeah, yeah. a wee interesting thing just to throw in there so back to st james yeah back mm-hmm. to st james mm-hmm. uh we were with construction then so construction mm-hmm. commenced in september 1991 now these things opened less than two years later really this is the That's... 1990s we're talking about this is when we used to throw these schemes up we would say to the contractors you price it for this we'll pay you you meet this deadline and they would none of this oh we'll build it in three years and it'll take five you know no <laughs> it was you've committed to two years you'll build it in two years and they did and that wow. was the case with like the m74 goger mm-hmm. m8 through edinburgh all these things that all happened at that time they were all done within specific yeah. contract you know limits when i've done like looking at other routes around about this time that they're all built they were all done pretty Quickly, quickly and yeah. it's mostly reported a couple of months something, early something yeah. we need to have a podcast about is that the 1990s was like the second renaissance for roads mm, in yeah. mm. you know we had the, the period the intense period from 1960 to 1975 where we did a ton of stuff then, then there was a bit of, a, 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 you lull. Know, a lull with the, the changing government and the financial situation and then comes along the late 80s into 90s and my god we're going for it again we're build, build, mm. building uh, do you think it had anything to do with the roads for prosperity yeah, white paper very mm. much so i think there was mm. there was some funding was then allocated again and that mm. allowed some of the projects. Now, I'm not saying the 1990s saw a whole of brand new projects. Mm-hmm. In most cases, it was projects that had been spoken about in the 60s. But they weren't done. But they weren't done for yeah. whatever reason. But they then came on and they did make progress in the A90 dueling uh, and the M74 and other mm-hmm. ones that were spoken about recently yeah. are good examples of that. Yeah. All right. No, Which, I agree. Anyway, yeah. so I'm going off tangents again. Yeah. No, it's okay. Back to St. James. Yes. So, <laughs> September 1991, work commenced. And what they did was they started in basically the middle of each viaduct and worked outwards right. in oh, both right. directions. Right? Okay. You'd have thought something like that, you start at one end and sort of and work you, your way you across. You just push them out. So yeah. you would launch you know? it across. Did, so no, did they launch these then? No, no. All the, all the girders at St. James were all lifted in by cranes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and okay. considering what you said about the airport earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all okay. lifted in by cranes, often overnight, often at weekends. There's some photos in the collection that clearly shows daytime closures of the M8, so I guess it must Ooh. have been a weekend closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, not been able to pin down just the details of that yet, but we're obviously we're still looking into we're to that it. to see what, mm-hmm. we, what we can find. Interestingly, all of that steel work came from Fairfield, maybe, oh, uh, yes. who were obviously involved in a number of other, like Erskine Bridge. Lots of stuff on the A9 that they A9, did a lot of steel for. Yeah, exactly well-known mm-hmm. contractor still in existence still about wow. yeah, still providing steel work for things fantastic now one of the other obstacles that we've not really mentioned was the uh, the football pitches at St James's Park yeah mm-hmm. so in advance of the main work starting there was some uh, adjustments made to the layout of the pitches there so that the uh, the road could fit in without you know the loss mm-hmm. of any of the of the pitches yeah. below and there was also a lot of real considerable utility diversion work done as well in advance again mm-hmm. as an advanced contract so that all happened. Um, 
Erection of the steelwork, as I said, progressing each direction with deck slab construction commencing when a sufficient length had been completed. So if they had like 50, 60 metres, they then come and cast the deck mm. and then they would do a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. The construction proceeded very quickly and there was very no. few problems on site as well. Problems with the ground conditions did require, I think it said, around 25% more piles than they had anticipated. Right. But this only had a small impact in the overall programme. Again, that would have been absorbed within that fixed price. So the piers are on, are they on, all on piles or some of them on All pile? on piles right. as far as I know. All right. on piles, all two two columns with a crosshead. Right. Nice and simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, to keep costs down, it's the same profile used from one to the next to the next to the next to the next. Dislocation. Chromatic bridge was the same, very much just keep it going. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nice and simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about the, but keeping those costs as low as possible and getting it built as quickly as possible. Yes. So construction had to be undertaken with minimal disruption to the substantial traffic flows passing through the site, mm-hmm. with carriageway closures for installation of steelwork limited to overnights where possible, as I mentioned. Uh, works to remodel the adjacent road system, including modifications to the layout around Junction 28 and Glasgow Airport were undertaken in parallel, as John mentioned. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some additional roads that were built there. And in all, the contract saw the construction of six kilometres of new carriageway and required more than 4,000 tonnes of steel. 35,000 tonnes of concrete and more than three kilometres of new safety barrier. And other works included the installation of the Glasgow-type overhead sign gantries. Oh, yes. yes. Because they, they, they put in four or five of them around the junction. They then followed that with the contract to expand the Citrax system from uh, Clyde Tunnel Junction, Cardonald, all the way up to Hillington and out to yeah. Renfrew Road and out to Glasgow. Because there Airport. weren't any Glasgow gantries on the no. Renfrew bypass before that. That's they're right. Quite, yeah. yeah, they've got mm-hmm. uh, they've got green signs going up to them. I've noticed them. Right. Oh, right. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that was all done as well. And there were also CCTV masts, and that all formed part of that expansion of the Citrac traffic mm. control system. Mm-hmm. They really pushed west, and and you know added several miles extra coverage in the, in the system oh, wow. to that, which of course still exists today. Uh, any questions at this point? I, I actually do mm-hmm. um, about this, and it's probably one for Duncan uh, in the mm-hmm. continuing quest for for plaques. Yeah. Um, there is a plaque <laughs> for the uh, A737. I was going to mention, yeah, there's it, it a is down there. But is there a plaque specifically for the ramps? Yes. Because here's the thing. Where the heck is it? Because I was having a look around this area because I wanted to get some pictures. There's no other park. And even if you could, it's very overgrown. I think I can even I think oh, I can goodness find it. Goodness sake, yeah. John. Yes. You don't, is, you, so a, you know where this plaque is. There is a whole site dedicated to the St. James Fire. Yeah, yeah, I was going to mention that. I've seen that as yeah. you travel towards Paisley in A726 and you yeah. come to the first signalised junction, you turn left as though you were going to go into the St. James's pitches. Yes. On the right, there's a small landscaped area. And on a small plinth that's actually cast from the same formwork used to to make the concrete oh, yeah. columns, uh-huh. there are several plaques lined up side by side. I'm glad I brought this up. You have a direct line of sight across to both viaducts mm-hmm. across the across the pitches from there. Well worth a visit. Renfrewshire Council did some vegetation clearance recently. We might have nudged them, uh, so it's all <laughs> very tidy, and you can see everything again. So get down there and get oh, a look. And yes, there is parking available. Well, there's no excuse then, Duncan. On your <laughs> excellent, on your, on your I'll head over there right now. I'll need to take John down for a wheel. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that, but I, know, I remember when you took me to the seven three seven one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're no, they're they are there. Now, some of the text is a bit difficult to read. They are obviously mm-hmm. thirty years old now. However, you can you can kind of make you it, can out. Figure it out. Well yeah. worth Ooh. well worth a look. Um, but there you go. Anything else you want to know on the construction or? Nothing particularly no, on no. the construction. I have some thoughts and things I'd like to ask after that, but mm-hmm. no, yeah. carry I on. Was, you're on a roll. I was I was going to mention. I think there's a there's a a dead bridge left over for the 
the mm-hmm. old there is. approach to the roundabout. So yeah, so the approach yeah. to the roundabout from the from the west, um, where it crosses the railway, that dual carriage we originally caught crossed yes. there. We now only use the eastbound carriage. We have eastbound that up to it. So there's a big dead area. Yeah, there. I was just going to mention that because I'm like, oh, that must have been from yeah. long ago. So. And and mm-hmm. that's a point. There was a new leg of the A737 constructed below the westbound viaduct. That's right. Well. To get onto. Yeah, yeah. So there was some modifications done there as well. But yes, I've got a. Did you know? <laughs> right for you yeah. did you know that there was a footbridge that was demolished as part of this contract yes i do because i came across it with the pictures once mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i was like what the heck is that <laughs> and i remember i remember you were quite surprised about it as well yeah. and we looked into it and yeah there was so that was the glasgow airport footbridge mm. wow. and what that did was that linked the old barnsford road across the motorway to the airport because historically the a726 ran straight through where the motorway is, mm-hmm. and there's still a row of houses there, and then through into the airport site, and then would have carried on. Mm-hmm. But when the airport runway was extended and various other changes, and the motorway came and all the rest of it, uh, they, they obviously wanted to maintain that link. But mm-hmm. by the time this came along in 1991, say, I guess it was felt that that connection that was no longer required. Yeah. yeah. And the footbridge was, was demolished. But there are a couple of photos in the uh, in the archive where you That's can right, actually exactly. see I was like, the, what, what is that? But yeah. yeah. So that was interesting. That would have been a good place to go for some, some photographs of the motorway. Pictures, actually. Oh. You know, there would have been a, another, before you move on, does anyone here know much about something called Glasgow Airport Rail Link? Garl. Oh, God, you can back Not it out. Yeah. So that um, that was a plan. I think it was finally snuffed out in like 2008 or something like that. Mm. And uh, that would have had a bridge going over this uh, St. James area. Not oh, wow. quite over the ramps, but it would have been a, a, a viaduct that went yeah. over the football pitches, mm-hmm. over the motorway there. And I remember these artists' impressions of it. It looked cool. Uh, <laughs> and it would have taken the train right in at almost like uh, the first story yep. uh, or, or, or one up in Glasgow Airport. So that would have changed things. Quite that well. would have been really impressive, actually, as well. Yeah, it's a shame cool. that. Yeah. It's a really extensive interchange. And it, it mm. just... It doesn't feel like a place, but it's just that you you feel that once you've come through Glasgow, you've gone beyond all the You're out of the city mega infrastructure. Back but then to roundabouts, yeah. urban motorway. And as yeah. soon as you get to Junction Twenty Seven, even when you cross White Cart Viaduct, you're not really getting an appreciation of what you're driving on. You know, no, that's because of those systema barriers all the yeah. way along. You exactly. can't see because you used to be able to look out across and see what, yeah, and exactly. see the sewage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all the other wonderful sites below. Fantastic. So, you know, so it's only, you don't really get much impression of what you're driving on. Then all of a sudden you get to the airport and it's like, wow, there's look at these. what's going on again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so well, that takes us to the opening of it then. Uh, mm-hmm. Construction relatively smoothly, no problem there. Fired them up in no time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as, as I said, as we did frequently in those days. <laughs> and they were officially open to traffic on Tuesday, the 17th of August, 1993. At a ceremony attended by Lord Fraser of Carmyle of the Scottish Office and Councillor Malcolm Waugh of Strathclyde Regional Council, both well-known guys in the in the sort of roads side mm-hmm. at the time in, yep. the, in the early 1990s. The project, which was joint funded by the Scottish Office, Strathclyde Regional Council and the European Regional Development Fund, cost £36 million, or equivalent to more than £75 million today. Mm-hmm. So a fairly significant investment, mm-hmm. but worthwhile, I would mm-hmm. say. Is there an opening booklet? There is. And oh, is ha- there? Yes, we have a couple of copies in the archive. It's on Fantastic. the page, Duncan. Oh, so it is, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this is, this is city centres. <laughs> no, not for me. Yeah. Uh, on completion of the project, uh, congestion was eliminated from the St. James roundabout. Now, mm. I will not say that that remained the case forever. No. Uh, there no. is 
still congestion in that part of the world. However, but it doesn't involve those ramps. No, the ramps the themselves are not the issue. It's the it's the sheer volume of traffic well, heading east. It's it's where where you get the problem is if you're coming on the A737, you're going north to join the M8 East. Yeah. It can queue there, but that's not the fault of St James. No. It's obviously because White Cart's only it's three. It's the constraint lane. of the viaducts. Yeah, because yeah, it goes it, from basically four to three and. Causes yes, trouble. There's, there's your problem, mm-hmm. basically. So, sure, with the, with the opening, um, when I remember looking back, there was some people who were complaining a little bit about it. Was it? Was it? What was the general consensus? Was it quite well received, or um, you, you, you know, was there some? I, I feel it was very like isolated individuals yeah. that complained, for, like a kind of like certainly certainly green yeah. uh, interest groups. And you mm-hmm. you remember several several years ago, you and I went to Paisley Library. Yeah, and we spent some time going through some articles, mm. uh, some of the newspapers at the time, and there were pockets of resistance. Resistance, mm, uh, right. very small. Was it Friends uh, of the Earth and these kind was, of people? Yeah, it was. Th- it was those types of groups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there were two or three individuals that were particularly vocal, uh, you know, against the project. However, it had widespread approval. Yeah, yeah, and and that's why it really went ahead. I mean, one of the things I've written in my notes is that it remains one of the most impressive motorway junction improvements undertaken in the UK, not just Scotland. Oh yeah, it was approved, designed, constructed, and opened in less than five years. That's amazing. That is amazing. Considering Mm -hmm. now it's over ten. Yeah, you know, for that kind of you know, so it was pretty rapid progress. Again, at that time in the nineties, we were making a lot. rapid progress on a lot of schemes mm-hmm. design and build allows you to do that i suppose and again when you have the fixed price that obviously helps yeah, you know, yeah. as well so yeah that, that's more or less everything mm-hmm. we can say about about st james got a question okay. for stuart here mm-hmm. do you you were obviously stay around the glasgow area do you remember the first time you saw it or were you there at the opening or i asked him this uh, off, how off old air. do you think i am oh i couldn't <laughs> ask that <laughs> i i asked you this when we were between yeah. podcasts i do remember seeing them for the first time and thinking, wow, they're big, they're huge. Uh, when were they built? And I was probably, what, maybe about 12 or 13 at the time, oh, wow. uh, the first time I saw them. And then I remember using them for the first time as a driver, which at that point, not really been aware of the, the dates of things, you know, because this has gone back a long time. Mm. Um, and I would have driven on them for the first time back in the year 2001. Wow. So they were only, what, eight years old at that point, And they did still, still feel very fresh and new. Mm-hmm. So now when I look back and go, oh, actually, they were only a few years old at that point, you know. Um, yeah. I think they still do. They right? still yeah. do look pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, every yeah, time yeah. I go over them, I think, oh. I don't nice. have that sort of look. They have them. aged very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you think of things that were built in 1960, how awful most of them look by 1990. Mm. I mean, you know, look at things built in the 90s now. They look pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah. More modern yeah. standards. Yeah. As concrete yeah. tech developed and, and, and construction yeah. methods improved, mm-hmm. things are lasting a lot longer than they, oh, yeah. than they used to. I honestly have nothing bad to say about them, guys. Mm-hmm. I used yeah. to live uh, in a part of Paisley that was quite close to Linwood, and um, I, I, I used them on a regular basis and really didn't have any issues, and I think they're, they're a bit of a joy, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest, and yeah, no no real complaints from me. Now, the, something for you, John, the, in terms of the St. James Junction itself, there's actually been further modifications to that roundabout junction. Okay. You'll be able to give us a bit of background as to why that is. So what happened here is further along the road, if we if we head west, uh, we'd get to Bishopton, and that's the site of the former uh, Royal Ordnance Factory. So there was a development, uh, or still is a large de- development there called Dargable Village. Um, BAE Systems are, are the people who obviously behind that development and as part of the planning consent for that they had to provide a new junction 
at Bishopton, new motorway mm-hmm. junction, which was obviously the old oh, terminus yeah. of the Renfrew bypass. Yeah. But also part of that was an upgrade to uh, the St. James interchange. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know you might be thinking, oh, are they going to build a tunnel? Are they going to <laughs> make, but it, make it a hamburger? You know, like Ooh. what they've done down in England? No. Um, it's new traffic signals, and they're also basically redoing some of the road markings and the layout. So they have actually done some of this Mm-hmm. No. Um, when was the last time you were on St. James? Sure. Oh, God, a few weeks ago, actually, yeah. Yeah, with those things. So they have done some of these things because the impact on traffic, especially coming from the uh, what they call the Barnsford Road, which mm-hmm. is that road that goes around the airport perimeter and stuff like that, yeah. that would be an impact. On is that the one that comes off the north side of the roundabout and That's kind of correct. wiggles its way down? Yeah, I've always seen that and gone, ooh, yeah. where does that go? Some, mm-hmm. some yeah. trivia. Worth a, worth a drive, yeah. Some mm-hmm. trivia about it uh, in work. Um, you'll know this, Stuart. We call it the bowl. The bowl. The bowl. Um, the bowl. The bowl is yep. a bit in between the bridges. It has kind of an egg shape. Yep. We call it the bowl. Oh, it's got, well. like it's got bowl. some nice. It's got <laughs> some nice shrub planting in there. Mm-hmm. It's quite well landscaped. And that all went in around about '93 as part of the St James uh, works. Not done as part of the main contract. The landscaping was handled as a separate contract by the region, mm-hmm. uh, the regional council. So that's uh, fine. They, and they another bit of trivia is <laughs> uh, civil engineer Stuart Baird <laughs> managed to get onto the roof of the Holiday Inn to get a picture legitimately yeah. by the way well, it was, was going to use his, his private helicopter uh, he got no he got permission <laughs> um to get what was basically a general view yeah. of the St. Fantastic. James interchange Fantastic and view. um I, i'm hoping we still have that original image somewhere yeah we do we do somewhere good, uh, yeah we do uh, it was it was well worth it yeah, I've yeah. seen a lot of uh, is it night photography shots yeah. that we've got from the, the light trails place. and things. Exactly. Yeah, they look great from exactly the same place. So yeah, listen, well worth it. I, I think it's a great project. I'm glad we've got a page up on the website about it. We are about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so happy thirtieth birthday, St. Happy thirtieth birthday. Here's to another thirty. Here's to another thirty. I think I'm thinking it'll last. It's one of these things that'll mm-hmm. be quite safe. I think. Yes, yeah. most definitely. But the last man standing. <laughs> do you know one thing? Just, just it's not like to have any major maintenance, really, is it? I no? mean, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. As you're a bridge engineer, Stuart, you'll know it's probably you wouldn't expect it mm-hmm. in this part of its lifespan. But it's it's doing okay. It's doing very well. Yeah, yeah. it's doing very it's, well. It's, the, it's these '90s things. I was like the the '90s bridges that you know Bear have got, you know, yep. like Dornoch Bridge and mm-hmm. Sky Bridge and. Uh, you know, we're doing pretty well, but yeah. the stuff's older. Even 15, 20 years older 15, than that. Yeah, it gets, bit you need a bit to fix it, yeah. but this, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, That's where it's your money good. goes, people. Yep. Yep. Indeed, indeed it does. Well, listen, I hope everybody's enjoyed. I've enjoyed that. this one. I, I have indeed. I thought it was going to be quite a little short subject. Mm-hmm. I thought we might have to include some other bits of road, yeah. but no, it's been good. And do you know, it's nice to have Duncan here. And yes, uh, thanks for having me on a non-highland one this has been very interesting i know we, we thought yeah, you're part of the the old guard now <laughs> and if everyone noticed that duncan actually introduced this one i thought you done quite well yes yes we might even have you back oh, why don't we <laughs> pre-record you. your introductions and then we could just use him forever we could just deep fake him yep. throughout the rest of it john know? and i could retire <laughs> oh that'd be cool. if only yeah. if yeah, only okay. well listen I'll, in terms of things coming up, I've got a few new web pages coming up. The South and East Flanks and the Ring Road, that page is well on the way to completion now. That'll be coming up soon. That's been a long-standing aim. For as long as I've known you, we need to get the whole inner Ring Road in. Yeah, yep, so that's nearly mm. done. That's nearly done. Uh, we have some other pages coming up as well. Duncan's working on a few. I'm working yes. on a few. So we'll get them up on live. Uh, in terms of merchandise, all the booklets are still available on the website. Um, if you've not snapped one up already, please consider that. The, the proceeds for those obviously help us to continue our work here. They keep the lights on. They do indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and likewise, thanks to the sponsors as well. So we've got Andy and the team at Eastwood Excavations. Thank you to them. And Nigel and the team at HBS Scotland as well. So also big thank you. To them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Well, of course, I always say it, it's the social media. Mm-hmm. Please follow us on Twitter, or X as it's called now, mm-hmm. um, on, on Facebook and on Instagram. To get your daily fix, we do posts every single day. I've actually now finally got some really brand new and rather brilliant, I must say, then and now shots. Mm-hmm. You've managed to use the drone in one of them. So um, I'm looking forward to getting everybody's impressions of these. Yeah, you've got another 13 weeks of those coming up. Yeah. Be good. It's going to be good. good take us through the end of the year uh, all these podcasts are available wherever you'll find your normal podcasts uh, Apple, Podbean, Spotify YouTube we're on there we're everywhere we're everywhere leave mm-hmm. us a review all podcasts yeah mm-hmm. exactly reviews are good that gets us noticed uh, calendars coming up soon it is yes. get your pre-orders ready for that mm-hmm. we're getting uh-huh. some ideas together the pictures this year we'll be at the Glasgow Vintage Vehicle Trust in October at the open weekend yes. watch out for some information on the social media for that too yeah but otherwise I think that's more or less everything for this I think that's covered everything yeah. yep it's been good and Duncan will be back with some podcasts later this later year on, yeah, on the A90 and the mm-hmm. A82 so yes, indeed. stay tuned for those yep alright All right. but thank you for now thank you very much thank See you very soon. much bye 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 bye